incredible when, even, when I have young people that are teaching Sunday school, right? That's incredible. That's, I want that. You want to see that. You want to see, I was telling in a, in a youth service not too long ago that, you know, once a month we'll have a guest speaker. Oftentimes that's a, that's a young person or uh, we've had others that have come in. But it's incredible to me that, that young people will approach me and want to speak. It's not like I'm not having to go to them and would you please preach on or teach on this Wednesday night. But they want to do it. These are ministers. These young people are ministers. That's an incredible thing. So this week is for you guys. This week is, this is your youth week. It's your youth revival. But, of course, thankfully, the church gets to be involved as well. Amen. And blessed with uh, the prayer and the fasting that's gone forward. I tell you, these young people have prayed. They've fasted. We were here last night praying, and God moved here in a prayer meeting for this week. So we are looking forward to what God wants to do. Amen. And we're thankful to have Brother DJ Hill. The uh, All right. That's all right. World famous in the UPCI is... Director of Promotions at General Youth Division. It's not even General Youth Division anymore. It's Youth Ministries. It's kind of plain. <laughs> These Director of Promotions over there actually works with Sister Cindy Sorrell. So uh, they get to see each other every day. So I'm sure they're thrilled to be together again tonight. Amen. Praise God. Leave work and say, see you tonight. Amen. But we're so thankful that he's here and he's local, lives here locally. And, and we're so thankful to have such incredible ministries here in our area. Brother Hill, would you make your way up here and give us what God has given you? Let's give Lord a hand clap. Amen. So excited for what God's going to do here tonight, but also the rest of this week. If you would stand, I'm going to go to the Word of God in a moment. I really do feel like Jesus is going to speak to hearts and minds today. Tomorrow, Excel Youth, I'm excited that it's going to be just us. It's going to be a lot more practical, but I'm excited. I love those kind of smaller, intimate settings. And So come with your heart open to prepare for what God has tomorrow. And then Sunday, Sunday school is going to be a blast. I love preaching but I really, really, really enjoy teaching as well. So I'm excited to be in class with you all. And then Church Sunday for everybody. Come prepared for a word from God, uh, not because I'm here, but because God has something special for Lighthouse and for you and your family this week. But it all starts tonight. It all starts tonight. I feel burdened uh, to preach something I haven't preached before, but I, I really do feel like it's a word for this church specifically for you, Excel, but also for parents, I feel like we all can get something out of tonight. If you would turn to Genesis chapter 32, and while you're turning there, I want to give honor and thanks to the Buford family. Thank you so much for years of faithfulness, for your integrity, character, for who you are. I really do value and appreciate you so very much. Don't we love our pastors? They are incredible, incredible people. And you do an incredible job serving on the local level as well as on the national level. So thank you so much for sacrificing so much, but not sacrificing your family. You and your wife are a great example of raising your kids the right way. And I value and appreciate you as parents, not just as ministers in the UPC. So thank you so much. I love you guys. So, Brother Lowe, thank you so much for allowing me to be here and minister back at Lighthouse. First time I get to stay in this building. I was here when it was under construction, and it is beautiful. I love this campus, and I'm excited for the future that God has for Lighthouse. And then all my friends uh, that are here and represented. also want to honor my wife, Natalie. She is not watching, which is very weird. Uh, it's probably the first time 
I remember being married and preaching without my wife watching or texting me beforehand saying she's praying for me. She is sequestered as a juror. So I dropped her off at the courthouse a few days ago with a suitcase and I have no idea where she's at. She doesn't have a phone or anything and it's very, very hard. So please seriously keep me in prayer. I've been watching our daughter by herself and then working late hours and drinking way too much energy drink, trying to get everything done. So please seriously keep me in prayer. But I'm thankful because my mother-in-law flew in today, mm, riding on a cloud. And it didn't feel like the rapture, but it was close. And she, she saved the day. I love my mother-in-law. I love my in-laws. Genesis chapter 32, verses 27 through 28. And he said unto him, what is thy name? Look to your neighbor and say, what's your name? Look to someone else and say, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Someone say, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob. Your name is no longer Jacob, but it's Israel. For as a prince, you have had power with God and with men. And God has prevailed and has prevailed. For the next few moments, I just want to preach from a different scripture we'll get to in a moment. But from the premise of this verse, who told you that? Look to your neighbor and say, who told you that? Look to someone else as you're seated and ask them, who told you that? Amen. You may be seated. The president of South Africa named Nelson Mandela passed away in 2013. Someone say 2013. However, thousands, tens of thousands and tens and tens and hundreds of thousands of people, Brother Lowe, believe that he actually died in prison in the 1980s. This term was later coined the Mandela Effect in 2009 by Fiona Broom. She falsely remembered his death and researched that hundreds of thousands of other people also thought that Nelson Mandela died in 1980 while in prison, not in 2013. The Mandela Effect is when someone falsely remembers something, whether it's because your brain is filling in gaps that weren't actually there, misinformation after the event happened, or the way the event is being told is misleading. For instance, the Mandela effect. When the ugly lady who gives a little princess an apple, when she talked to a shiny thing on a wall, I'm trying not to give too much information, what did that woman say to the mirror? If you say mirror, mirror on the wall, raise your hand. Oh, she shook her head. No. What did she say? She's not the one who said that. It's actually magic mirror on the wall. Magic mirror on the wall. We always heard it as mirror, mirror on the wall. But somewhere along the way, we we kept hearing that, and so it became that. Or what about the guy in the black helmet who cut off uh, somebody's hand in a movie long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away? What did he say to that guy before cutting off his hand? Say it loud and proud. Someone said it. Wrong. I love you, Sister Buford, but that's actually not it. I know that. We all thought it's Luke, I am your father, but actually Darth Vader told his son, no, I am your father. But somewhere along the way, we heard it long enough, so we started to believe it. So I brought some pictures to help explain the Mandela effect. Someone say the Mandela effect. Can you put that first picture up? You can pick which one. Okay, I need you to stand up if you think it's this one. Can you see the difference? There's an E or an A. Stand up if you think it's M-E-Y-E-R. Stand up. That's it. Oscar Mayer. Oh, I wish. 
Y'all got it? Y'all actually wrong. It's M-A-Y-E-R. Come on now. Whoever gets them all right gets donuts from Pastor Buford on Sunday. (laughs) All right, next picture. All right, if you think it's this one, I want you to go ahead and stand up. Do you see the difference? The monocle, yeah. Congratulations, you all. You're wrong. The monocle is actually the peanut man. Monopoly doesn't have a monocle, but he looks the same because the round head. Can you go to the next one? All right, if you think it's this one, can you spot the difference? One F or two Fs. If you think it's this one, stand up. The angel food cake with the seven-second icing stood up in the back. You are actually correct, you four people, five people. It is one F in double stuff Oreos. I think we have a few more. Next one. All right. If you think it's this one, stand up. Ooh, loud and proud. Just one. Sometimes you got to be alone, but you can also be wrong. There's no hyphen in Kit Kat. There's absolutely no hyphen in Kit Kat. The next one. I think we might have. All right. Fruit Loops or Fruit Loops. If you think it's this one, stand up. Mm, house divided shall not stand. This one, that's when I said y'all stand up, right? You're actually correct. There is, it's not spelled U-I, it's O-O-T. So throat loops. All right, how many more do we have? Put the next one up if we have another one. All right, fruit of the loom. If you think it's this one, stand up. Can you spot the difference? It's called a cornucopia. I don't even know what that means, but it's a cornucopia. Fruit of the Loom does not have a cornucopia on it, so you all are correct. And there's one more. How many people love Cheez-Its? I love Cheez-Its. All right. If it's this one, go ahead and stand up. Show how... Mm, You're wrong. It's Cheez-It, but hey, bravery, I like it, man. Stud. The Mandela effect. Most people get at least a couple of those wrong. Why? Because somewhere along the way we started imagining that it's one thing and it's close enough. Someone say close enough. And it seems similar enough and familiar enough and we hear it or we see it so long that we start to believe that that's what it actually is. The Mandela effect. It's so real that people think that somebody died. Thousands of people agree that they thought Nelson Mandela died in prison in 1980 when he actually died 23 years later. And the devil, the enemy, culture, your past has rang out and echoed in your heart and in your mind that you are something that you are not. And you've taken on a label. And God is wanting to speak to a young person today, Excel. God's wanting to speak to a young lady or a young man. God's wanting to speak to a family that's been told a lie so very long that you aren't good enough, that you're never going to amount to anything, that you're a failure. And you've taken on this false label that's not true. But the Mandela effect from the enemy has you believing something that's false. But today, God wants to give you a new name. Today, God wants to bless you and help you realize your identity. God wants to speak to you tonight. We hear about Noah, people in the Bible. 
Noah was called foolish and was considered crazy because it's never rained before. But he saved his entire family because he didn't take on the label and give up building that boat. Oh, Abraham was clueless. He had no idea where he was going. He was just following the plan of God. And he could have taken on a label that you're just clueless. Why are you going to church faithfully, Brooklyn? Why are you serving God? Why is God trying to bless you? And you can take on that label that's false. Or you can say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what because your word never comes back void. Sarah was told that she was too old for a miracle to happen and she's waited years and years and years for that miracle. But I've come tonight to preach to you that you don't need to believe that false label. You don't need to give in to the Mandela effect. It is a lie. Your miracle can still happen. It doesn't matter how long you've been gone. It doesn't matter how long you've been dealing with it. It doesn't matter how broken you might feel. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. God wants to give you a word tonight. Joseph was told that he wasn't loved by his family. He was thrown in a pit. He was sold into slavery, but yet he didn't take on that false label. Him and his family were reconciled, and he changed his family's life forever. Rahab was known by all of her past mistakes, but she became the great-great-grandmother of Jesus Christ himself. Why? Because she didn't take on the false label of the enemy. She didn't take on the label of her past. She didn't take on the label of what the culture said about her. She said, you know what? I'm going to rewrite my name by the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Gideon was the least qualified person in all the world, apparently, but actually that was a false label. He believed it about himself until God spoke into his life and everything changed and he won a great victory for the Israelites. Esther was only a woman. Oh, you can't do anything because of your gender. No, that's a false label of God. And Esther saved an entire nation. Why? Because she didn't believe the lies of the enemy. I've come today to preach something very simple that God wants to speak identity and truth into your life you are not your past you are not your failures you are good enough you are going to make it you are called you are anointed come on excel lighthouse we are going to have revival lighthouse we are going to have a harvest why because god is going to speak to us this weekend Joshua, you've been walking around the wall forever. Is that lifestyle even worth it living so separate than everybody else? You're not even seeing any results walking around that wall. But you know what? Joshua didn't believe the Mandela effect. Even though it seemed kind of close, he didn't believe that oh familiar sound of the enemy. He kept walking and then those walls came tumbling down. Even Jesus wasn't accepted in his own city, but he did an incredible job ministering throughout the world and seeing miracles. Why? Because he didn't take the label of the enemy, that false label. Hebrews 11 illustrates so many men and women of the Bible that we can relate to that were told one thing, but actually it's not the truth. And they didn't believe it. Israel was also mentioned in Hebrews 11. Someone say Israel. Well, who is Israel? Israel's original original name was Jacob. Someone say Jacob. Jacob means supplanter, heel grabber. He had a twin named Esau, and when they were in the womb, one twin is always bigger and always taking up all the space and always taking up all the nutrients from the other twin. That's just science. It's been like that forever. And so Jacob would always wrestle and would mess with his brother in the womb. He was always supplantering and trying to mess with them. And then when Esau started to be born, the Bible says that Jacob grabbed his heel because he wanted to be the firstborn. So from the beginning, he was known as a twin trying to make it in his own power. He was known as the little brother, the supplanter, the heel grabber, the deceiver. And so Jacob took on that identity. He believed the Mandela effect. 
He's, he heard it all his life. Every time he was called Jacob, oh, you're a deceiver, so I must act like I'm a deceiver. And it came to a point where his brother Esau was tired, exhausted, working in a field, and he said, what am I going to do? I'm so exhausted, and you have a bowl of lentils for me. Can I just eat some of that soup? And Jacob, the supplanter, the heel grabber, lived up to that name because he believed the lie of the enemy. And so he said, I'll trade you this bowl of lentil for your birthright. Esau agreed to it, and so he did. And Esau, from that day, despised his birthright. And as the story progresses, as these two brothers war, and they're constantly going against each other, and as they get older, their father Isaac becomes ill and becomes old, and he's about to die soon. He's on his deathbed, and he's going to bless the firstborn with all the inheritance. And so... The heel grabber believed his name. He lived up to the hype of what the enemy said about him and what others said about him. And so he he had this animal skin on and he made sure it was woolly because he wanted to feel like his hairy brother who was a hunter. And then he made sure that he smelled like the outdoors. And so he walked into his, his father Isaac's house, that bedroom, and he said, Father, will you bless me? Isaac said, come close. I want to, I want to smell you. I want to, I want to see how you feel. Are you really Esau? Because you don't sound like Esau. And so he came in and he said, here's some venison. Here's some meat. Will you eat this meat? And he said, this tastes like what Esau would make. You smell like Esau. You even feel like Esau. You're hairy like him, brother Lowe. But you don't sound like Esau. You don't sound like Esau. Let me make a pause right now. We must be careful of what we feel if it doesn't align to what God said. Because our feelings can always deceive us. Our senses can deceive us. But when we hear the word of God, we better trust in that and nothing else. But he was deceived because Jacob lived up to his name. Mandela effect. He heard it so long he believed it about himself. And so he deceived his own father. And stole the blessing, stole the inheritance from his twin brother Esau. Well, Esau came in after hunting and making a meal for his father on his deathbed and said, Here, here's some venison, here's some meat. Would you eat? And he said, Who are you? And he said, I'm Esau, your son. And that moment, Isaac and Esau both realized that Jacob once again lived up to a false label that the world had put on him. He stole his birthright. So Esau made up in his mind. Genesis 31, that when the days of my mourning for my father are done, after my father dies, I'm going to go and kill my brother. So his father Isaac dies. And Esau goes on the hunt. He brings men with him, and they're armed, and they're ready to do battle and kill Jacob. Jacob is on the run for his life. He's already married a woman and then her sister Rachel and Leah. And he's on the run and he's having kids. And he feels like life is great. And then all of a sudden he hears news from one of his servants that his brother Esau is right down the street to kill him. So he sends some animals. He sends some of his family. He sends some of his riches down the street. And he says, hey, will you forgive me? Let's just make it right. And Esau said, no, I don't want to accept any gift that you have. I'm coming to kill you because you stole from me because the label that you have on your life. And so Jacob continued to send down gifts until finally one day Jacob had nothing left. He laid his head down on a rock. And as he was going to sleep, God showed up. And God and Jacob started to wrestle. Someone say to wrestle. He started to fight with Jacob. And then the day started to break. And God said, let go. And Jacob said, I will not let go 
until you bless me. I won't let go, Sister Stacy, until you change me. I can't be the same. God hit him on the hollow of his thigh, which made him walk different because an encounter with God, a real one, isn't going to just be emotional. Yes, it's emotional, but it's also going to make you walk different when you walk out of these doors. You're not going to watch what you used to watch. You're not going to listen to what you listen to. You're not going to gossip and have the same conversations or the same friends that you used to have. Why? Because an encounter with God is going to change how you walk and how I walk. And so Jacob says, I'm not letting go till you change me. He's bruised, he's hurting, his hips out of socket, and he's, he's still wrestling. He's still holding on because he knows that he's going to die if he doesn't get what he needs from God. Then came the moment that God said in the scripture, what is your name? And he responded, Jacob. Someone say Jacob. He said, your name is no longer Jacob, but your name is now Israel. I know you had the label of heel grabber. I know you've had the label of supplanter. I know you've had the label of deceiver, but you are no longer going to be identified by that. No longer. That's not even true about you. You're Israel, meaning God prevails. That God intervened, that God stepped in Brooklyn and changed your life forever. He's filled you with the Holy Ghost. He's filled your sister with the Holy Ghost. He's healed your family. Why? Because God prevails and he's given you a new name. He's given you a new name. Can you relate? Can you relate? Some of you have taken on labels of the world. Some of you young ladies have seen on Instagram and Facebook and you've seen on social media and Hollywood and all these movies what they call beautiful. And so you've taken this false label that you aren't good enough, that you aren't pretty enough, that your body doesn't look like this, your hair doesn't look like this, the eyelashes, this and that, and all these different things, and you don't realize that God has made you so special, and he has someone so special for you that's going to love you and be miserable and emotional and lose four pounds because you're on jury duty, and he misses you so very much. (laughs) And I don't know who's crying more, my daughter or me, about it. God has someone special for you like that. But if you believe the lies of the enemy and you take on that label, you're going to act according to that. But what's been said and done against you is not your identity. Those might be actions and words and they do hurt, but you can be healed tonight. You can take off that label just like Jacob. You can wrestle with God at an altar and your identity be shifted forever. You can realize that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Young men, we feel so macho and so prideful. Oh, I'm not emotional, except when it comes to politics on Facebook. We're a lion on the keyboard, but then a mouse in the house of God. When my bracket got blown up, I was like, man, I was going to have free Chick-fil-A. It's a Chick-fil-A card on the line, and I lost. And then I sit in church, and I'm not passionate. But to sports, I'll be passionate. And we take the label of society that we have to be strong and macho. God wants you to provide. God wants me to provide and protect our women and protect our families and to be men of God. But Paul also said, in my weakness, he is made strong. We can't do it by ourselves. And we can't take the false label that we can't cry at an altar, that we can't worship and dance before the Lord. David, this incredible man, danced and leaped before the Lord. He got even more undignified. So why not as men, we stop taking the label of society? And we be who God has called us to be. 
labels. You and I can relate. We've been like Jacob before. Some of you, horrible things have happened in your innocence as a child. And you've taken on that label and you think that that's your identity. You think that's who you are because what's been done to you or said against you. But I've come today in the face of the enemy. Even though you've heard it so long, it's just like the Mandela effect. It's not real. You are God's child. First Peter 2 through 9 says this, that you are a holy generation, a royal priesthood, a chosen people. He loves you so very much that he died for your sins. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Jesus loves you. John says that you are a friend of God. Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus and Ephesians that you are his workmanship. Jesus loves you so very much. He cares for you. Romans 8 35 through 39 says, what What shall we say to these things? If God is for you, then who can be against you? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things that come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else can separate you from the love of God. Jesus loves you. But you believe the lie of the enemy. And we take on labels. Someone say labels. We take on labels. That I'm not good enough. Generational curses. There's generational consequences, but you don't have to be what your parents are. You can it can run in your family until it ran into you, and you can rewrite your family's history tonight at an altar. You can go from being Jacob, a supplanter, to being Israel, that God prevailed over anything that you came here with. It doesn't matter what your past is, what your mistakes are. How far you've been gone, where you've come from, your education, your finances, the home that you have to go back to tonight. God can change everything at a moment at an altar wrestling with God. Who told you that? Look to your neighbor and say, who told you that? It's the story of Adam and Eve. It's where I get this question from. Adam and Eve lived in paradise, but sin entered the world because of their mistakes. Sometimes sin, whether it's ours or somebody else's, enters our world and destroys us and hurts us. And so we hide from the presence of God. When in reality, if we get into the presence of God, a sacrifice is going to be made for him to cover us and to help us. And he's already done that on Calvary for you. And you can be covered by the love of God tonight. So Adam and Eve, they sinned and messed up, and they're hiding from God. They're hiding behind a social media profile picture and posts that make their life seem so much better than it is. They're hiding behind the filters. They're hiding behind the jokes. They're hiding behind the ministry. They're hiding behind all that. But in reality, they know they're far from God. But you can come out of hiding. And so God, in Genesis 3, verse 9, says, Where are you? Adam, where are you at? God knew where he was, but he's so loving, he's so relational that he's not just forcing Adam or trying to put Adam in a corner. Sometimes God does that. God is a just God, but God was trying to reach for him. And God said, Adam, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11, God said, who told you that who told you that you were naked who told you that label 
because there's labels that should never be in our vocabulary, but they're on us. There's words spoken against us that should have never been there, but they're on us. God's intention is not for you to be broken as the music comes. God's intention is not for you to live a messed up life. God's intention is not for you to just follow in the footsteps of anybody who's messed up your life. Who told you that? That's not true about you. It's the Mandela effect, but you and I can believe it. But it's false. It's a lie. Who told you that? Young lady, who told you that you weren't good enough? Who told you that God doesn't love you? Who told you that? Because that was never his intention for you to hear. That was never in his plan for you to even start to believe that lie of the enemy. Who told you that? Tonight you might need to make a commitment to separate yourself from those things. To maybe do a social media fast. Because you've been leaving the lies of the enemy and the lies of culture and taking on the wrong label. Young men, who told you that you can't be emotional at church? Who told you that you can't sell out to God and have a good job? Who told you that you can't be in the ministry and own a business or work in a job? Who told you that lie? Who told you that you couldn't be a missionary? Who told you that you couldn't sacrifice for God and maybe not look like every other man in the world, but you're going to provide for your family while doing the work of God? Who told you that lie? Lighthouse, who told you that this church isn't good enough? Who told you that this church isn't going to have revival or a harvest? Because that's never God's intention for you to hear, Adam and Eve. It's never been God's plan for you to hear those words. So on this first night of Youth Week, we're asking God to speak to us. And God is speaking to you through a question, through a preacher. Who told you that lie? We believe it or Luke, I am your father, but it's not real. It's a lie. You can take off the label tonight. I've seen too many young men and young women destroy their lives because like Jacob, they say, well, I'm a deceiver. I'm never going to be good enough, so I'll just live up to the low expectations of others. But today, you can take off that label. Mom and dad, elder you've held on a label since you were a little kid and you've hidden it from everybody else but God is here and his voice is calling out he's speaking on this first night of youth week and he's saying where are you at you're supposed to be a Sunday school teacher you're supposed to be a worship leader you're supposed to be on the praise team you're supposed to be an usher you're supposed to be in the sound booth you're supposed to be doing things for me and my kingdom where are you and you're hiding yourself because of the labels and God is tonight asking you who told you that because it's not true who told you that you were a failure who told you that your marriage is messed up who told you that you're too broken that you've made too many mistakes to get accountable to a man and woman of God and change your life who told you that you couldn't start a P7 Bible club in your school and reach your friend who told you that you can't have a good relationship one day when your parents and your pastors approve of it and you have a great marriage in the church Yes, you might have made mistakes in the past, but why not take that label off? Who told you that the things that you hide, the self-injuring, the bad diet, that you hide, that you think nobody else sees, but God sees, and he's speaking today, saying you don't have to do that to feel loved. You don't have to do that to feel anymore. 
You can feel my presence today. Who told you that lie? Can you stand with me right now? God, as tears swell up in young men and young women's eyes, I pray that today we can come out of hiding. That we stop lying and act like we have it all together. God, the enemy is coming to destroy us just like Esau was to his brother Jacob. And we cannot have just another service. We can't have just another youth week without you speaking into our lives. And so change us from the labels that culture, our past, what others have said and done against us, what we've even done or said to ourselves. Help us to rip off that label today and instead have our name changed forever, have our future rerouted. God, you've made that sacrifice just like you did for Adam and Eve. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, you came and you died for us so that we can have a new label with that red ink of your blood. You can write a new name down for our lives and our future. God, I pray for the young man with a broken family that doesn't have a good example that tonight he can answer that question, who told you that? Because it's a lie. And he can be who you've called him to be. To the young lady who comes from a broken past, God, you can give purity again today. If any man is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, behold, they are a new creation. All the old things are passed away and all things can become new in their life tonight. For the young man that's been raised in church and he's looking out saying, I just want to be like other people. I want to experience the world. I'm missing out. I pray that he can take that label off that he's missing out, but that he realizes he has an incredible story that he's saved and he's in the church. He's in the ark and there's nothing worth having outside of this boat called the church. For the young lady that stayed pure and that's been in church her whole life and she gets laughed at by her outward appearance, I pray that she can be affirmed today that she is so loved by you, God. That you care so much about her and you have such a great plan and future for her life that she doesn't have to trade anything, but she can buy the truth according to Proverbs 23, 23 and not sell it. And you have such a reward for her. What label do you have on? What lie do you believe? What lie of the enemy do you believe? I wonder, can we all gather around this altar tonight?